The trade deadline has come and gone, but the Hawks didn't do anything. Welcome to The Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, joined by AJC columnist Michael Cunningham. And of course, we're here with you guys to talk about what the Hawks didn't do at the trade deadline and what that means for the future. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to listen, rate, review, and keep subscribing to the show. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to the Hawks Report, everyone. And of course, welcome back to the Hawks Report, Michael Cunningham. How you doing? Good. Glad to be back and talk some NBA. Yeah, I mean, you've been busy with the Falcons, so, and Braves coming up, you're going down to spring training, but we're not here to talk about that. Like you said, we're here to talk NBA hoops. More importantly, the trade deadline was on Thursday, and I don't think a lot of people were totally surprised that the Hawks didn't do anything, but I think a lot of people were still peeved that they didn't do anything. It wasn't a surprise, but there may have been some frustration that some small pieces maybe weren't even moved, even if they couldn't get a deal done to move DeJounte Murray to another home. The Hawks look exactly the same as they did at the beginning of the year. The roster is still the same. The pieces are still the same. And the health issues are still the same. So, for you, Michael, were you shocked that the Hawks didn't do anything? Yeah, I mean, I thought they, like you said, would do a deal that maybe wasn't a major deal, but would help the depth, which they I think everybody who watches them knows they can see it for, for, for night to night, especially with the guys they have who are on the injured list, you know, a pretty good amount of the time. So from that standpoint, I'm surprised, but uh, not too, you know, shocked that they didn't deal uh, DeJounte. Yeah, I, I think I had hoped or maybe anticipated that they would bring about a little bit more depth considering what we've seen so far when they've had major injuries to that solid eight-man rotation, whether that's Jalen Johnson being out for a month, DeAndre Hunter being out for 19 games. I mean, they're 4-10 and when Jalen Johnson's out and and 8-11 when DeAndre Hunter is out, which isn't great. I mean, they're not exactly guys that you usually think about as moving the needle, but for the Hawks, they definitely moved the needle. And so I think I'd I'd hoped or maybe wanted the Hawks to do something that would 
give the bench a little bit more juice, particularly because they've had to dip into using Bogdan Bogdanovich whenever one of their guards are out. And, and that takes away all of the scoring from the bench. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what exactly it is that the Hawks are going to be evaluating with this roster. I mean, they're still not exactly healthy. Capella's, Clint Capella's still dealing with an adductor strain. And so... Now they're dipping into the the bench a little bit more. I guess they get to see what Bruno Fernando can do and whether Onyeko Kongu can handle some starter minutes um, or significant starter minutes. So, Michael, what would you have wanted to see the Hawks do at by 3 p.m. on Thursday? For our purposes, it would have been great if they traded DeJounte because that would have been big news. Yeah. Secondarily, we would have taken them trading anybody because that would be some news. Mm-hmm. They didn't trade anybody. So, um yeah, I was hoping they would beef up the front court a little bit more. Uh, we've seen that they really struggle against teams with size. Lauren, I've talked to you about this. Even like yeah. below average big men come in against the Hawks and have big nights yep. just from rebounds and putbacks, right? So they don't have really any resistance at the rim. I think everybody can see that that Clint, I mean, he plays hard, but I mean, he does, just doesn't have the same juice, doesn't have the same bounce in his le- legs he used to have. So. You know, that was what made their defense work during that East final run was Clint was so good uh, in the back line that that he could clean up, you know, the messes on the perimeter. So they don't have that anymore. So I would have liked to have seen them get a big guy. Uh, like you said, maybe we'll see Bruno more now. Uh, but I would like to see them get a, a veteran big to, to beef up that front court. Yeah, I think the other thing when you think about Capella is even when he is out, that still has such a major impact on the front court, particularly because Onyeko Okongwu is still an undersized center. And even though he has that ability to guard some of those smaller players, he can handle those switches if you know he gets pulled out to the perimeter a little bit more. He doesn't have enough help, particularly because he can't be two places at once. And as much as a guy like Jalen Johnson tries to be everywhere, it doesn't necessarily always pan out if you're not putting bodies on people and boxing people out so that you can get those rebounds. So, yeah, I, I was hoping they would have also added a little bit more size. But hopefully with the health, I mean, this is the NBA, though. You can't rely on health. I think that's the only constant that comes with the NBA. You know, you would have hoped that they would have gotten some more depth that could help them sustain, you know, those runs whenever they were dealing with injuries to anybody in that eight-man rotation that that we've seen. But I think some of the things that have kind of trickled out as far as the big talk is that it seems as though they must have focused primarily on trying to get a deal done with DeJounte Murray and, and a new home because it doesn't seem like from, from our perspective they were trying to work out any any smaller deals just because what leaked out in terms of reports and, and, and some of the things that I've been hearing, it just seems like that was the main focus. But when you have a coach who reportedly is advocating for, you know, that one B point guard to, to stay in the fold, it, it, it kind of puts the writing on the wall that, you know, it's unlikely that the team will be able to actually move some move someone like DeJounte Murray if you've got a guy like Quinn Snyder who's advocating for him to stay. But, you know, as far as some of the reported deals that we've seen or reported homes that we've seen. We've seen him tied to the Lakers. We've seen him tied to the Pelicans as of, you know, this morning or Thursday morning. Where, if they were able to get something done, do you think would have been the best return 
as far as the two teams that I mentioned with the Lakers and the Pelicans, as far as, you know, people who had extensive conversations based on what's out there publicly. Yeah, and this is where I, uh, I guess, defend the front office a little bit. For those teams, I don't see a lot. <laughs> yeah. As far as uh, what they need, uh, as far as uh, perimeter stoppers or size inside, and there would be a, you know, com- you know fair return on DeJounte. I mean, obviously, they'll give you somebody if you just want them. But as far as, as valuable players who would help them in the areas they need, I didn't really see either of those teams had a lot. I saw a lot of you know, guard wing types who pretty much give you the same thing as DeJounte gives you, probably not even as much. So from that standpoint, I, I can defend the front office if that's what they determine. If, they, if those were the only two teams that were offering them something, I could see why they might have said no. You know, it's hard to say not knowing the specific deals, but just on, on the reports and from what you've, you've reported yourself, I would say that it, I could see why they might say no to those two teams in particular. I guess hypothetically, if I'm looking at a team – like the Pelicans who, and I'm just going off of the fact that they were the team that seemed to be having the conversation up until the end before things reportedly stalled out. But, you know, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, even if even if it's not a, necessarily a, a swap for swap position wise, if you're getting a, a big like Jonas Valanciunas, you're getting that size, you're getting that guy who can hit some of those jumpers, which is something that Capella has not really shown us that he's been able to do. He's usually just played right at the rim, but um, Valanciunas is somebody who can, in theory, stretch the floor, and and that's something that Quinn Snyder likes. So I would, I guess I would have anticipated that if something were to happen with the Pelicans that, you know, maybe Capella was kind of tied into a package with Murray, and that would be kind of what would spark something and, and and some movement with this roster that seems so stagnant. And then p- possibly one of their, the, the Pelicans younger wings, you know, like a, a Dyson Daniels who is in his, I believe his third year in the league or second year in the league. And uh, a young player who is known for his defense, who seems to need a, a, a kind of like a fresh start somewhere else. He's kind of been a little bit shaky in New Orleans. So maybe being in Atlanta would have been kind of the spark that he needs. And he kind of fits the timeline, so to speak, being a young guy um, with the Hawks being so hell bent on internal development. When I hear that, it makes me think younger players when I hear development. So that's kind of what I would have envisioned if they were able to pull off a deal with the Pelicans. But, you know, this isn't a a podcast about hypotheticals. We're dealing with what we've seen now. So I guess how I see the Hawks moving forward is that they find some way to kind of build off of this streak that they've kind of gotten going. They're seven and eight in their last 15 games, which is just a little bit below 500 when you kind of put the percentages in there. But they're showing us a little bit of good stuff. And you know what? We'll keep talking about that a little bit more after we take a break. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Lauren Williams, again, joined by our sports columnist, Michael Cunningham, writer of the Mike Check Sports Blog or Mike Check Column. We're excited to have you. We're talking what the Hawks didn't do at the trade deadline and, of course, what that means for them moving forward. So we kind of recapped a little bit of what we would have liked to see, but now we're going to talk about what this means. And as I mentioned before the break, they're seven and eight in their last 15 games, a little bit of a solid streak going. So Michael, in terms of what you've watched of the Hawks so far this season, a little bit past the halfway mark, how do they move forward when they haven't really made any changes to the roster? And, you know, a guy like DeJounte's name has been in the trade rumor for the better part of the last six weeks. (laughs) Yeah, um, you wonder about that with DeJounte, how that, how that affected him. He raised his play, I would say, offensively, but defensively, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I'm watching him play every night. I'm like, mm, is that a guy who's kind of a little distracted or a little angry or a little bit got a chip on his show? I don't know. Some, something that seemed like was going on me there. So maybe now the deadline's passed and the possibility of leaving is not there. Maybe he can get a little bit more focused defensively. But uh, ideally... I mean, at some point, I would like to see them play some of these young guys. I think one thing about this next offseason, I think they're only like, with their committed salaries next year, they're only like $12 million under the tax line. So it's not as if they're going to go out and get a major guy in free agency. They could make some trades that still have that, uh, that trade exception they could use in some trades. But they need to find out if their young guys can play because their young guys are cheaper. <laughs> So I know, I mean, you're 10th right now, and I know you're kind of trying to make the play in, but does anybody really think this team's going to go on a run? Probably not. So I would say as long as they're in that play-in range, play the young guys. Lauren, I was telling you this, I think, on a text conversation last week. is like I understand that they say that you know, these young guys defensively aren't holding up, but the veterans aren't holding up defensively either. So why not give these young guys a shot? Maybe they surprise you. Maybe they figure it out. And if they don't, at least you would know that, hey, we need a veteran at this position because this guy isn't ready. Right now, they can't really say because the young guys uh, outside of Bruno out of necessity now, and uh, obviously Jalen, haven't really been getting a lot of time. Yeah, I I think for me, when I I see a team not really doing anything at the trade deadline, that usually signals to me that they're happy with how the roster is constructed. And usually those are the teams that – are much further along and are competing for a very deep playoff run. And I I completely agree with you that this Hawks team, I just, I'm very skeptical that they can make it out of the play-in. I mean, they're obviously, like you said, they're 10th in the standings in the Eastern Conference right now. And, you know, they, they, they could go on a run. We've seen them do it. And, and like we said, 
injuries are the only constant in the NBA. And, you know, one of those teams that set, I believe, six and a half games ahead of the Hawks, I think it's the Heat or is it the Pacers? Um, one of those teams, they're, you know, in that last six spot. Maybe the Hawks can catch them up, but it's it's just hard to see them doing that because we haven't seen them play well consistently. And I mean, on the defensive end, we've seen what they can do offensively, even when they're having some of those bad offensive nights. I mean, you look at what they did in, in Boston right before the tra- trade deadline. They weren't shooting well, but they still put up 117 points. And which is usually good enough to win a game um, if it's if there's a defensive battle happening. But this team just isn't good enough defensively, in my opinion, to to make that significant of a run. So I definitely agree with you. It's time to give some of those younger players, the Kobe Bufkins, the AJ Griffins, the Seth Lundy's, a, a little bit of a, a chance to go and get a little bit of an extra run in, so we can see where they stand defensively and and the best way to get experience is to play. I think this season is kind of, I I don't want to say a wash, but it's getting close to that. And at some point they're going to have to make a decision of, you know, whether it's time to start slowing some of these veterans down until next year, because they do have to think about trades in the off season as well. And you don't want to, to take veterans into the off season unhealthy if you're looking to trade them. So, yeah, um, and I, I think defense um, is the reason why I agree with you. That's the reason why I kind of don't buy this recent surge. Uh, you look at the games they won, they play pretty good defense against Golden State, I would say, although we know Golden State's not what they usually are. They're kind of middle of the pack offensive team now, but the other games they just kind of outscored, you know, they out, outscored the Suns, outscored the Lakers, right? It wasn't like they were getting stops like they can win those kind of games but then they play two contending teams the Clippers and the Celtics and they couldn't stop anybody (laughs) so to me that's more of a preview what you're going to get in the playoffs than those other games because as we've seen the last two years I mean the the Hawks could score the last two years and then when they got to the playoffs the Heat pretty much shut them down Uh, the Celtics they played they scored pretty good against the Celtics but then their defense was no good so it's like they can't win those grinding kind of games in the playoffs. And we've we've seen even when they score pretty good, like against the Celtics, it doesn't matter because their defense is so bad. So that's why I really don't buy this recent little resurgence. I'm hoping that's not why the front office decided not to do anything. I doubt it is, but hopefully they didn't have any influence on this because I don't think that's a true representation of this Hawks team. And uh, I'm not even sure if they're going to make the play in. They probably will, but I agree with you that once they're, they're not getting out. Yeah. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, defense – is what gets you through the postseason. And that's what's raised questions about a team like Indiana, who, like the Hawks, can outscore an opponent any night. But can they handle five, six-game series where, as you said, you're grinding things out and it's going to come down to defense because eventually shots shots stop falling. And it's not necessarily because of something that a team is doing, whether that's higher or more intense defense or it's just – people let your legs get tired things happen shots stop falling so yeah this it and and from my understanding this kind of resurgence that the hawks have kind of happens around this time every (laughs) single year just because of how their schedule seems to be constructed every single season they often have a road heavy start to the year and then they get a couple of really 
long home stands and there's nothing like being back at home to kind of reset you a little bit. And I think that's kind of what we're in right now. And that, and that's not to take away from, you know, how they've been playing, because I think we can all agree that the Hawks have been competitive for the most part, even though execution has been lacking, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a lot of that's because they're, they're, I mean, they are a good offensive team. They really are. Um but yeah, what you said about the schedule is really weird because for most teams like that, there's like an explanation of why they're gone all the time at the same time. They're like the Spurs have their radio rodeo trip, like the uh, the Lakers and the Clippers have the Grammy trip, right? Like there's usually a reason. The Hawks don't have a reason, but you're right. It always kind of ends up like that. That's weird. Yeah. So I think, you know, they've got a couple of, they still have a few road trips sprinkled here or there. They have that West Coast trip where it's Portland, Utah, LA, LA. So we'll get a chance to see them again. And if if this resurgence, so to speak, is actually the real deal. But yeah, they can't they can't make any moves until the offseason now. And I think they have to wait until uh the league calendar flips before they can even do anything unless they're trading for assets like trade picks and stuff or trades and or sorry what am i saying i'm tired you guys draft you picks. To, wait, a minute, wait a minute wait a minute are you trying to say none of the buyout guys are going to want to sign with the hawks <laughs> i mean do you see them i mean how how would they make that work they would have to they have to waive people and i don't know you know are, are they waving garrison matthews are they right. waving wesley matthews like who on this team are they waving Right, right. <laughs> they don't have enough roster space to even consider uh, any of the buyout guys. Yeah, I don't see any of those buyout guys coming here anyway. Not the ones who actually have choices because <laughs> they're going to go try to win a ring, right? Or try to make the playoffs, try to make a run. Hence extra, why they accept the extra buyout. Che- get some extra <laughs> checks. Right. They try and get some extra checks, man. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting watch the rest of the year and and when i say interesting it may not necessarily be from a basketball standpoint but just as far as what the hawks next move will be yeah i mean i guess that's to the people who are disappointed that jante wasn't traded before the deadline um they could try to trade him in the summer uh i wrote my column that i don't see how that's going to be any easier and with the trades that they've made lately i don't know how you could have a lot of confidence that this front office is going to find a, a, a value deal. Um, and that's I think that's one thing that we could conclude from today or from the trade season is that the Hawks value their guys more than the other team. Now, if the Hawks are right, then maybe they turn the season run and make a, you know, turn the season around, they make a run and then I'll come back on your podcast and say, man, I was wrong about those Hawks. But <laughs> if they're wrong, then if the league doesn't value other guys as much as they do now, why is that going to change in the summer? So That was ultimately my concern. <laughs> I felt like I was getting flashbacks to John Collins last season. <laughs> and just over the last few years, his name keeps popping up. Is, is DeJounte Murray going to be the name that consistently pops up in the trade rumors? And that never does anything positive for someone's confidence and and granted you know John Collins is not DeJounte Murray they have a very I think different makeup with how they approach things but 
if you're trying to get the best out of a player, having their name consistently float around as somebody that you're shopping isn't necessarily the best way to do that. And then with them holding on to him, they're telling us that they think that he can continue to raise his value. And there's just no guarantees with that. Well, that would help if they make the playoffs and that would help. <laughs> yeah. But even, but cause he was kind of hurt. Cause he was kind of saw... hurt. La- you remember last year he was kind of hurt. So he didn't really get to, to show his full capabilities, yeah. I think. And then he had, you know, a couple of incidents that make you pause a little bit. Like, do you want that on your team if he's going to go around confronting referees and getting suspended in big moments? Yeah, that's uh, – and the other weird thing he did was when Dennis Scott reported on TNT that he said, oh, I would welcome a trade back to the Spurs when there were all those rumors about the Spurs being interested. I mean, that was kind of a weird thing to say at that time. Uh but yeah, we'll 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 see if he can, you know, be a pro the rest of the season. Maybe they make the playoffs and he makes an impact, and that, that does raise his trade value. In which case, the Hawks could still trade him, or maybe they just keep him and say this: we're going to go with, with him and Trey and build around that. Although that's going to be difficult from a, a tax standpoint. But yeah, he could raise his his um, value if he has a strong finish to this season. Yep. So that's my takeaway from them not doing anything is that they're banking on these guys putting out the best performances of their lives over the next however many games are left. Um, what are we at? 49? <laughs> 40, best, 51? We're at 51 games. Of their lives. 51 hey, that's games. one thing about this season is Trey has had some stretches where he's playing yes. the best basketball of his life and they were losing, man. I mean, what's that do to him? That's what, And that was my next point is, you know, with them not making any big moves, does that start to maybe turn some gears in his head about, you know, how he might want to approach his future? Um, I think that's been things that I've seen floating on the interwebs as far as, um you know, fans worry that the front office not building around Trey in a way that actually helps to put the best team forward that could make a big championship run. You know, does that instill any confidence in him that they will be able to do that? And if it doesn't, does that mean we see him start requesting a trade right before training camp in one or two seasons? Yeah, I think that's especially... uh a relevant point with the way he's playing better defense. If you look at their at their advanced stats, they've been better defensively, him on the court and DeJounte off than they have with DeJounte on and Trey off. I know some of that has to do with uh, the other teammates around them, but I would think that's kind of a fair kind of a evaluation of what, what I've seen this year is that Trey has been better defensively than DeJounte. So if that doesn't change, then – DeJounte's trade value will not go up. (laughs) Yeah. I think I've been, I think a lot of people are finally catching on to the, how, how much Trey has improved defensively. We see Paolo Bencaro talking about how after a certain point, he was like, I I just had to stop 
attacking him. I just had to stop because I couldn't get anything done. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it was yeah. Like that, it's like that used to be the book on him and now the book has kind of changed, right? Right, exactly. We see him taking on some of those big matchups like Mikhail Bridges in, in clutch moments um, and trying to shut him down. And, and so that's, yeah, he, that's something you want to see. Yeah, he's like he's annoying. That's yeah. how you have to be as a small defender. That's how Steph is, right? He's annoying. He gets on your nerves. That's what exactly. that's what Benchero was saying, man. That dude's getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's something that I've always said that I felt this Hawks team needed, and I, and I'm not. I wasn't exactly expecting them to go out and get a Patrick Beverly, but I was expecting them to try and go out and get somebody else who was an annoying defender and and what make another impact on that end of the floor. But alas, again, you know, the Hawks stood pat. I guess we'll continue to see how how they move forward. Yeah, I think it, you're right. And it will be interesting. It's, gonna, it's always going to be interesting to me because I love the NBA. <laughs> and obviously it's my job to follow the Hawks. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if they build on this version of the Hawks or if they try a different version. Maybe... I think the ideal situation is what you said is that the Jonte fence is strong. They make the playoffs. He has at least a good playoff series. He shows he's healthy. He shows his heads into it. Then maybe you get two second rounders for him in the summer that you couldn't get now, apparently. So that would be interesting to see. But this could easily go the other way because this team is so bad defensively. They're so bad in transition defense. Sometimes I watch them and I just I can't. As somebody who loves to watch good basketball, it just it, it drives me crazy to see them give up. Easy basket after the opponent makes that happened. Uh, the Clippers the other night, what was it, 2.1 seconds left in the third quarter? Tip in, I think it was uh, DeAndre tip was it DeAndre tipped in, tip in 2.1 seconds. The, the Clippers made two passes and got a wide open three by this, and there was still like 0.2 seconds left, so they did that. <laughs> they did it like in a second. They got a wide open transition three against another NBA team. It's just it's just interesting to me to just watch that, but also that most of the other not most, but a number of teams in the league, you know, did moves that they in theory thought would make them better. I mean, Philly, they basically had a flash sale trading away quite a few people. To open up some roster space to, I guess, attack the buyout market. Same thing. I'm not sure what Memphis was doing. It seemed like they were also having a flash sale. They moved Steven Adams, moved David Roddy, um, moved Xavier Tillman on Wednesday. And you're just kind of, you just, what's the plan? Because most of their players are injured. (laughs) You see a team like the Lakers, they didn't do anything. But I think people expected a little bit too much for, of them to do something. Especially, the Pistons especially, did something. The Pistons did a lot of different things. Especially if it's true that they like Austin Reeves is like the red line for the Lakers. It's yeah. Like, okay. But I I think my, and maybe this is where it's time to start wrapping up the podcast, but I think my dream scenario, if the Pistons were making trades, they would have traded Cade, <laughs> Cade for, for Murray. Ooh, Just because it would be yeah. interesting to see that would be. You should have told me. You should have told me about that before. I could have got excited with you. <laughs> <laughs> what what Trey would be like beside a, a six eight backcourt partner who plays defense? Oh uh, yes, yeah. K Jalen with Trey. There you go. Even DeAndre. Yeah. Imagine that lineup. 
Now you're kind of big. Hello, Hawks, hire me. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. No, it's time to no, wrap up this podcast. No, no. <laughs> I don't want that stress. <laughs> no. Then everybody be mad at you today. Right, exactly. <laughs> but again, Michael, it's always a pleasure having you on the podcast to talk Hawks hoops, um, particularly with the lack of moves that happened today for the Hawks. But we'll keep monitoring what happens as the season progresses and we'll be here to, to keep talking about it. Daniel was here uh, listening in the background and he'll be back with us next time. Until then, I'm Lauren Williams and this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.